Welcome to our weekly and Episcopal Sermon podcast. We are so glad you found us. This is a live recording of the gospel reading and sermon from last Sunday's service at the Episcopal Church in Almaden. The life of this podcast depends on your listening support. If you enjoy our podcast and would like to support us, simply subscribe to this podcast on your channel of choice. Come, join us along our shared path for today's episode. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Someone earlier this morning asked me, what are we reading about the crucifixion for at this time of the year? And I said, hang in there, you'll see. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by, watching. But the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, the Chosen One. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering sour wine and saying, If you are the King of the Jews, save yourself. And there was an inscription over him, This is the King of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God? Suit you under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. This man has nothing, nothing, done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he replied, Truly you will be with me today in paradise. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord, Lord Christ. Christ. This particular Sunday is a rather complicated Sunday, and so I'm going to uh, offer this preface. This is not the sermon. I'm going to offer a preface to you so that you'll have a little bit of more understanding about what you're about to hear, not only from the theme in the, in the liturgy, but also from me and my preaching. The Episcopal, Lutheran, and Catholic churches have what they call the Christian year. And you say, I heard that in confirmation. Well, it's back again. Uh, the Christian year is really the story in a series of seasons about the life of Jesus, beginning, of course, in Advent, which is the preparation for the birth of Christ in Jesus. And then comes Epiphany, Lent, Holy Week, Easter, uh, Ascension. I'm trying to remember myself. <laughs> Ascension. And, and Pentecost, and the long Pentecost season is really the story of how things unfolded after Jesus was recognized as being resurrected. And that's a rather long season. It goes from late spring through the summer into the fall until this morning. And this morning is the last day in the Christian season and the last day of the, of the season of Pentecost when we recall the way in which Jesus became the King of Kings, which is a strange sounding title in the world we live in. We don't have kings anymore, we deride them. So I'm gonna be preaching a little bit about the King of Kings, but I'm gonna be beginning in a very different place 
than you would imagine. I'm going to be beginning with right now, where rather than the King of Kings, Jesus is largely, I believe, become increasingly, once again, incognito, hidden from popular sight. I'd like to begin with an opening prayer, which I'm going to use for from the opening hymn this morning, which uh, I have never heard the words before until I got the bulletin on the internet. And then I saw that and I thought, my, that's the most appropriate Advent uh, uh, Christ the King hymn that I've ever heard. And so for an opening prayer, I'm going to be rereading to you the first verse. At the conclusion of my thoughts this morning, I'll be reading the second verse, third verse. And so, as a prayer, signs of ending all around us, darkness, death, and winter days. Isn't that true? Shroud our lives in fear and sadness, lumbing, numbing mouths that long to praise. Come, O Christ, and dwell among us. Hear our cries, come set us free. Give us hope and faith and gladness. Show us what yet can be. Amen. So that's what the sermon is about this morning, and I'm going to begin in a very different place than you can imagine. This is the cover of Time Magazine for this week. I've taken Time Magazine for years and years and years because its way of looking at things is a way that I have of looking at things, and it really helps me more completely understand how I've come to be thinking about things. And so what you see on the cover of Time Magazine is a thread that comes in from one side of the cover. There's a huge ball of confusion, like you used to get when you were fishing with a rod and reel, a ball of confusion. And then the thread comes out the other side. And behind the thread, you have a broken banner of our nation. And the, the, uh, the wording underneath it and the uh, introduction is about democracy. You don't know that? Well, think again. Our democracy is in deep trouble. And so that is the first part of my sermon this morning about the Feast of Christ the King. And you must be saying to yourself, or I hope you are, where on earth is he going with this anyway? <laughs> well, if you hang in there, you'll find out. Uh, uh, the, uh, the picture there, uh, the tangle of thread and the broken uh, banner of our nation, is really an illustration of the result of the midterm elections, which are said to be just about in the same stalemate as we were before the election. So not much has moved, not much has changed, and we are still in a bowl of confusion about ourselves and our world. And so it's about the stalemate of the election, and it looks to, as the article says, more turmoil that is coming. So we are not at, out of the turmoil that our nation has been in for some time. Let me recount the ways. First of all, uh, inflation. Secondly, war in Ukraine. Thirdly, the Chinese-U.S. struggle over global leadership. North Korean missiles by the number. Trump announcing a third candidacy. And uh, this time coming with a certain amount of baggage along with him, all exacerbating the threat of climate change. Got the picture? You, if you follow the news, you know what that picture sounds like. I'm going to offer you some readings from a New York Times uh, 
editorial by a columnist named Farood Manju. Farood Manju wrote a column not too long ago in the New York Times called, What Happens If Human Beings Just Can't Solve Issues Anymore? What happens if human beings just can't solve issues anymore? And it looks that way, and to quote uh, from the article, at the broadest level, human, human history is a story about cooperation. Get us together and we can achieve dominion over land and sea. But what if we've hit the limit of our capacity to get along? What if we limited our capacity to get along? I'm not talking about the tenor of our politics. My concern is about more fundamental. Are we capable as a species of coordinating our actions at a scale necessary to address the most dire problems we face? Are we capable as a species of facing the most dire problems which we face? The internet didn't start the fire, but it's undeniable that it has fostered a sour and fragmented global polity, an atmosphere of pervasive mistrust, corroding of institutions, and a collective spirit. All of this has undermined our greatest trick, doing good things together. Mm-hmm, yeah. Because people tend to maximize individual utility at the expense of collective good, our species have been doomed blindly to exploit the world's resources. Farood Mahoon. We need to imagine new kinds of groups, new kinds of groups, that can improve how humans innovate, learn, and adapt together to take on looming environmental changes. The rise across much of the world has, of conspiratorial alternative realities. Huh. Last year I was preaching about truth, and now it's a problem. Alternative conspiratorial realities and intense polarization that have hampered progress on so many of the global problems. We need to focus on humanity's collective power, but Majud concludes, I can't say that I'm optimistic. Focus on one part of the quote. People tend to maximize individual utility at the expense of the collective good. Why, you say, must this be? Well, I'll remind you of an ancient problem, a regional uh, experience of human beings that makes us, as humans, to use the Latin, homo sapiens sapiens. What does that mean? Well, being, the word homo, who know they know, sapien sapiens. We are beings who know we know, and there is a result of that. It creates a self-center. Do you recognize that in yourself? You have a self-center, and if you're sitting to somebody beside you, that person has a different self-center, and the person next to them has another self-center. And each one of those self-centers tends to look at the person next to them as the other, and not themselves. And so we have a whole collection of people around the globe that each person, each individual person, has their own self-center as a result of their consciousness, and the result sees things differently than other people see them. The technical <laughs> religious word for that is sin. That's not very used very much. Sin means missing the mark, which means missing the mark of relationship. Designed for relationship, yet beings who know they know and have a self-center which sees things differently 
than the person right next to them. In our global collective self-center and capacity, if we have a, a problem about controlling uh, other people uh, to our own benefit, and when that goes on globally with enough power behind it, there tends to be a problem. And that's what is being talked about in the article that Farid Majoud uh, shared with us. Creating massive threats to our own democracy, freedom in Ukraine, and a willingness to sacrifice to maintain durable global climate. Which brings us to the sermon which is about Christ the King. We finally got to religion, didn't we? You stick with me long enough, I generally end up there in that place. Which brings us to religion and the theme of the Sunday, Christ the King. A presence and a reality now, I would say, is largely unknown, not believed, or just plain incognito, almost hidden from the world. And it's an irony that that kingship starts with suffering. And I read, there's the gospel. That kingship begins with suffering and defeat. And from the crucifixion and death of Jesus, the gospel read this morning, there result in an interesting major discovery. The major discovery brought about and begun by the crucifixion was that the presence that people knew in Jesus was everywhere in other people. It was everywhere even written about unknowingly in the Old Testament. And so the further the friends of Jesus went, they discovered more and more that the presence known as Christ for historical reasons, the presence known in Jesus began to be known in other places. A recent interesting book written called Jesus, called Jesus Before Christianity, After Jesus Before Christianity, written by a group of academicians who are studying what really happened after the crucifixion. And what really happened after the crucifixion was that Jews, originally all Jews, many Gentiles, were spread around the Roman Empire. And they began to get together in what were called supper clubs. People just talking together about whatever. And the, 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 the conversation about Jesus began to be circulated in these supper clubs and proliferated all around the Roman Empire. Then along comes the decline of the Roman Empire, and in 325, 325, Constantine recognized that the emperor was no longer the organizing principle of the Roman Empire. It was what being said in these supper clubs that were all over the Roman Empire. And so Jesus and the reality of his unique presence began to be shared and experienced all over the Roman Empire. Constantine reasons to himself, that's the organizing principle for the Roman Empire. So he gathers together all the leadership of those early supper clubs at a place called Nicaea, and they form what is now known as Christianity. So Christianity did not begin with the death of Jesus. After the death of Jesus, you merely have a presence that began to be shared in conversation, increasingly in little small supper clubs around the Roman Empire until it dominated the Roman Empire. And that's how it all started. And I would venture to say that's probably where it's going right now. Not in an institutional forum such as I represent to you, or yourselves in a building that represents that, but rather increasingly in conversations among people who know something about Jesus and that presence that was uniquely in him. And so gradually, that reality began to be known as 
Christ the King. And that's what we're celebrating today. That's how it came down to us through many, many, many centuries. Well, that reality is beginning to decline as culture becomes secular. And that is forgotten. People don't have places like this hearing things like I'm trying to share with you. One of the most recent uh, ind individuals that uh, understood what is happening was a man named William Yeats, who in 1919 wrote a very telling prophetic poem called The Second Coming. Here comes another quote for you. <clears throat> this is following World War I. Turning and turning in a widening gyre, the falcon can no longer hear the falconer. Hear that? The falconer can no longer, the falconer can no longer hear the falconer. And that famous line, things fall apart. The center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed, and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. You ever heard that one before? 1919, the final verse. The darkness drops again, but now I know that 20 centuries of stony sleep were vexed by, to a nightmare by a rocking cradle. And what rough beast is our come now around slouches towards Bethlehem to be born? William Butler Yeats, 1919. And so that's what we have. He was right. It's happening. If you don't recognize it, perhaps a sermon, odd as it may sound to you, will get you thinking a little bit about where we really are. And in conclusion, I share a little poem called The Way It Is. Think back about that picture on Time Magazine of the thread, the ball, of th the ball, the ball and then the thread coming out the other side. Poet writes, The Way It Is. There's a thread you follow. It goes among things that change. But it doesn't change. People wonder about what you are pursuing. <laughs> they really do. You have to explain about the thread. But it is hard for others to see it. Incognito. While you hold it, you can't get lost. Tragedies happen. People get hurt or die. You suffer and you get old. <laughs> the evidence of that is in front of you. People get old. Nothing you do can stop times unfolding, but you don't ever let go of the thread. This morning we celebrate the feast of that thread in the feast of Christ the King. I conclude with a concluding prayer from the first hymn. Speak, O God, your word among us. Barren lives your presence fill. Swell our hearts with gladness, terrors calm, forebodings still. Let your promise, realm of justice, blossom now throughout the earth. Your dominion bring us now near us. We await your saving birth. On Jordan's bank, the Baptist cries. Here it is. Now says that the Lord is nigh. Wake and hearken, for he brings glad tidings of the King of Kings. But that's next week.
Thank you for listening to this week's episode on An Episcopal Sermon Podcast. May this episode inspire you to apply lessons from these teachings to your everyday life. If you found inspiration in this episode, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast through the channel of your choice and spread the word. If you would like to see the full service from which today's sermon was drawn, visit our YouTube channel linked in the show notes of this episode. If you would like to support this podcast, feel free to donate any amount to our listeners' support on Anchor or visit the donation page on our website, www.churchinalmaden.org slash donations. Thank you.